Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of Let's Talk Loyalty. An exciting one for us here in the show because it means Christmas is just around the corner. Now, as it's also coming to the end of 2021, it's exciting for us to bring you some insights from Italy, a country we haven't explored nearly enough on the show so far. Today, I'm joined by perhaps the most knowledgeable person on the planet about loyalty in Italy. Cristina Zilliani is the Professor of Marketing at the University of Parma. And also, she is the head of the Loyalty Observatory, which they founded in 1999 to understand both the adoption and the potential power of loyalty initiatives by and for Italian companies. So, if you're interested in loyalty insights in Europe, particularly in Italy, I know you'll enjoy this episode with Cristina Zilliani. So, first of all, Cristina joining me today from Italy. Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you for having me. Great to have you, Christina. Um, for listeners, I will explain that you reached out to me recently to talk about all of the incredible work that you're doing at the University of Parma. Um, so we'll begin into explaining all of that. But I was amazed by all of the incredible work that you're doing there and for how long. In fact, I don't think there's many academic institutions that have been working on loyalty as long as you have. So I'll be dying to get the full story. And um, before we get into that, can you please share with our audience what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Or I think you have a few. Tell us your favorite loyalty statistics. Uh, well, um, as you said, we are quite proud of the loyalty statistics of the Loyalty Observatory. And then I will go into other statistics, of course. But uh, let me say that the observatory was founded in 1999. Ooh. So since then, yes. um, we have uh, worked on almost 70 academic papers on different areas of customer loyalty, CRM, uh, customer experience. We have published five books, the latest of which was published in English by Routledge, I'm saying that for the uh, international audience. And the observatory has the purpose of supporting the dissemination of knowledge and research on best practices in loyalty and CRM and customer experience management. This means that we do um, activity with companies. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, we do training, um, we do consulting, mm -hmm. research for companies, and we have uh, white papers and a yearly conference. And the conference um, has been running now for 21 years. We've mm -hmm. just had it, it was mm -hmm. 15 October. Mm -hmm. um, and every year we get something like 600 participants, loyalty managers, CRM managers, marketing managers from across Italy. Mm. Over 20 years, it has been 4,000 different participants from 900 different companies 
We've had 160 speakers from Italy and abroad. Uh, just as an example, we had Tesco this year. Uh, we had two American academics. Um, we teach loyalty management and CRM in our master courses at the University of Parma. And there, our master students have discussed over 100 dissertations on loyalty and CRM. Wow. And thanks to the sponsors that we have had all across all these years, because this work couldn't be done mm. without companies uh, committed to loyalty and CRM, multinational mm. companies, local agencies. So we've had over 30 sponsors uh, in 30 years. These are our favorite numbers. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Christina. It's an extraordinary, um, first of all, to understand that the Loyalty Observatory has been operating since 1999. So, um, you know, I'm thinking there's plenty of people in the audience like who just didn't realize the industry from an academic perspective had anything going back that far. So first of all, a huge congratulations. I know you've been involved for a very long time as well, Christina. So you probably wrote some of those books yourself, did you? Oh, definitely. I wrote all of them. Not Did alone. You? Okay. With, co with colleagues, of course, older colleagues, younger colleagues. But yes, I'm on all of them. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Well, well done. I think all of us know how challenging it is to sit down and write a book and thrilled to hear that you have one in English. So we'll make sure that that's available if the audience are interested. I think you know as well, Christina, that we love to talk about, you know, this show being part of the global voice of loyalty and um, obviously working with uh, the guys in the Wise Marketeer who, who use that very carefully. But I have very little knowledge of the loyalty market in Italy at all. So you'll have to forgive me, but I would love if you would just maybe give us an overview about, you know, how, you know, mature or how sophisticated would you say loyalty is in the whole country in general in Italy? Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity to um, reflect also on the Italian market for an international audience. Um, let's see. Uh, our observatory runs every year um, three surveys, mm -hmm. one on Italian consumers. Mm -hmm. um, thanks to Nielsen IQ, we have a representative sample of the population. So we've been able to follow the evolution of um, Italians being members of loyalty schemes um, mm -hmm. over the years in different industries, uh, Italian switching behavior, that is disloyalty in a, in a oh, sense. Cool. Um, and what they think of loyalty schemes and so on and so forth. Uh, from the consumer perspective, um, they the most mature loyalty uh, market is supermarkets okay. where something around I don't have uh, uh, data for this year but in general we can say um, almost 80 percent of consumers belong to at least one loyalty scheme mm -hmm. uh, on average uh, they are active in 2.53 loyalty schemes okay. in the supermarket industry and Many other industries uh, lag behind. Uh, according to our latest data, supermarkets was really mature. Uh, on the contrary, um, areas like you know bookstores or electronics, retail chains, pharmacies, drugstores, uh, transportation, um, probably because of the lack of 
dominant national retail chains. The Italian ah. market is large, but it's very fragmented okay. because of the lack of a presence uh, on the uh, whole territory of the country. The penetration of these schemes doesn't really reach a high number of the population. Mm. Uh, so there are many more fragmented initiatives, although uh, this has been rapidly changing over the past, let's say, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. with more and more companies adopting digital loyalty schemes, adopting loyalty apps, mm-hmm. and consumers in Italy becoming more familiar with these digital loyalty tools. So mm-hmm. we are looking forward to um, the data from our latest survey on consumers, which is coming up late November, and I'll be able to share it on our website, Mm -hmm. um, because I am confident there will be uh, a picture, an updated picture with a higher penetration of loyalty activities in many other uh, fields for Italian consumers. Mm. Um, On the company side, Um, We run a survey every year of brands and retailers Mm -hmm. uh, related to their CRM practices, Mm -hmm. uh, the touch points they connect for consumers, their loyalty strategies. So we can see that Italian companies have been a little bit slow compared to, uh, for example, North American ones to adopt loyalty practices. But um, then when digital kicked off, uh, they have been gaining you know, pace. And now we can well say that we are in the middle of the development of CRM. Uh, it may sound something old, you know, this old <laughs> expression of CRM. Yeah. We can call it customer experience management if you want. Yeah. But what I mean is customer databases where data comes from different touch points. They are connected in an individual customer view okay. and they employ, you know, marketing automation and other MarTech tools uh, for contacting customers and personalizing activities. This mm. is something that is done by, let's say, two-thirds of Italian companies across different industries. Mm. Uh, Just to give you a couple of numbers, um, something like 30% of B2B companies in Italy have a loyalty activity or a customer club that's B2B, whereas in B2C, uh, the numbers are much higher and uh, it's 70%. Okay. So uh, the penetration of loyalty intended as, you know, keeping track of your customers with a database, that's, you know, two thirds mm. of the companies are mm. active and convinced and investing, investments are going up. Uh, this is something that we ask every year. So investments in loyalty are increasing mm-hmm. and even more after the pandemic. Oh, wonderful. Well, I know you have a killer statistic available for us at the end of the show, Christina. So we'll definitely touch on what the expectations are for 2022. But I just also wanted to pick up because 
I guess one of the reasons I wanted you on the show, Christina, is because of this um, close connection that you have with the business world and with the loyalty managers. In addition to, you mentioned the students and it's fantastic, all of the, the dissertations and the academic research, but I love the fact that you're so closely connected to the industry side. Thank you. Well, yes, you know, it's... Um it's the tradition of our department at the university to do mm-hmm. applied research okay. um, as it used to be in management. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you start with companies' problems in a way yeah. uh, and try to work with them to solve them. So this was the mission of the observatory since the beginning, um, doing research and disseminating knowledge that is useful mm-hmm. to companies. Mm-hmm. And for this reason, uh, we find it necessary to take the pulse of the business yeah. industry, of, the, of business every year with our survey. Um, as I said, we speak at their own events and we do training mm-hmm. for companies. And this um, is a privilege for us because uh, when we really can see, you know, behind the scenes how loyalty is organized within companies, mm-hmm. um, how knowledge about customers is disseminated across the different departments, across decision levels, mm-hmm. uh, because this is where very often the problems reside. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not in the tools, the problem, you know, of having a loyalty culture. is yeah. in sharing knowledge, sharing information, bringing it up the chain to decision makers. And being a university, uh, we are also very lucky because we train the next generation of loyalty managers. Uh, Lots of our master students, they go on, you know, and take up positions in loyalty and CRM and digital. So it's very good because Mm. you develop the language of the industry and you stay connected. And I think this is, the educational mission that we also have at the observatory. Wonderful. My God, I certainly don't think we have that in Ireland. I could be wrong, Christina, but, you know, when I think about my own pain points when I came into the loyalty industry, it would have been just extraordinary if there had have been an initiative like the Loyalty Observatory uh, to tap into the extraordinary uh, depth and breadth of knowledge And for listeners, I will say that you've done actually an incredible amount of work specifically for us in Let's Talk Loyalty with a huge presentation um, detailing, obviously, the work, as we've talked about, that the Loyalty Observatory is doing, um, but also really good insights in some of the most interesting loyalty models and concepts that are happening in Italy. And I know you've chosen some as well um, with the perspective of innovation, because that's obviously something I'm always looking to bring to the audience. I think, as you've commented, supermarket loyalty is very well established. And, you know, for people in that industry, obviously, you'll have incredible depth of knowledge. But there's, I think, a total, you sent me five different um, consumer loyalty programs that are popular in Italy. And I'm going to pick up on one of those maybe to talk through today. But you also talked about a couple of B2B loyalty programs. So um, it seems that there's some very well established models. And um, 
And maybe it is that B2B doesn't suffer from the fragmentation problem that you identified earlier. And maybe that's why that's um, coming through so strongly. But it wasn't one, actually. They're not um, segments that I've seen uh, many propositions for. So very exciting for me. Um, So tell us, first of all, will you, about this utility loyalty program, Christina? Um, You, you know, showcased it for me. And again, anyone listening to this will be able to connect with the Loyalty Observatory and connect with Christina to actually look at these programs and her overview. But tell us about this energy company and their environmental loyalty program. Uh, Well, thank you. Yes, this is uh, a very interesting case uh, because, first of all, the energy industry uh, embracing loyalty is a very interesting case. Sure. Um, yeah. Having you know, having run the conference and the observatory for so many years, uh, we were looking at the uh, attendees database recently, and we said, "Wow, uh, all almost." All the Italian energy companies were attending this year. This is really interesting because until five years ago, there was no talking about loyalty strategies. Let's say not talking outside the company about loyalty okay. strategies. Yeah. Um, on the one side, because of legislation issues, the market has been uh, privatized, has become more competitive over the past few years. And this is the reason why new companies have sprung up and they definitely are competing Mm. to get new customers, engage customers and keep the customers they get. And because of of many of these companies being new, Mm -hmm. they started loyalty digital first. Uh, So like... 15 years ago, uh, there was one major energy provider and they would run, you know, a lot of direct direct mailings with paper and everybody knows in the industry how cumbersome it is, you know, how expensive. (laughs) And today you see these examples like the Sorgenia case that you Uh asked me about. Uh, They created a, a loyalty club that is totally mobile so it's based on the company app yeah, and it's based on the concept of a community of people who want to live a green uh, existence because mm-hmm. this company is 100% green energy. Mm-hmm. And so what they do, they create a sense of community among people who share in this view of yeah. being green, of having, you know, a small carbon footprint, uh, they try to make it also gamified, the fact of, you know, living a green existence with, uh, you know, reducing your consumptions and using green products and people get engaged in games and learning how they are reducing their footprint and how they are benefiting the environment and the community. Mm-hmm. For example, um, they adopt beehives, the community, this Aww. is a very interesting thing. Very uh, nice. They yeah. adopt the square meters of forest. Okay. So uh, it's a very, um, it's one trend, and I'm sure you can confirm this, across the world of loyalty yeah. that many companies are trying to adopt this sustainability approach. Totally. And so, you know, uh, it's mandatory in a way for an energy company. Yeah. And um, so it's a very interesting challenge. And yeah. the company, thanks to this approach with, mm-hmm. you know, engaging customers, having them going through uh, steps in 
this new uh, sustainable life, they have mm-hmm. been able to reduce churn by 40%. Wow. Um, 70% of people uh, register to the program through the mobile Okay. Through, uh, their mobile phone. Yeah. And um, I think they launched only a few years ago when they have um, a 30% penetration of their uh, residential customer base, mm-hmm. which I think is very good for mm-hmm. this um, type of program. Yeah. So, um, and also uh, on our website, uh, we have an interview with the marketing manager or Sojenia. I know it's in Italian, but, uh, you know, we can use translation tools and maybe totally. uh, for those who want to learn more. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very interesting case. It is absolutely, Christina. And um, Sorgenia, am I right? Is that how, how you pronounce the name? Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I would love to interview them myself if I had the opportunity. Um, I don't know if you know, or if I mentioned um, even for listeners that I used to work with Electric Ireland. Um, going back now, I'm going to say it would have been 2014, 2015. Um, and we didn't really have maybe the necessary tools to build something that's entirely environmentally focused. Uh, but again, internally, there was there was fabulous interest um, in really you know, focusing on connecting with, you know, this key customer passion point. And I think what fascinated me as well, you know, having come from, let's say I was working in telcos loyalty and banking and all of these other industries where always what we wanted to do with those loyalty programs was to increase the customer spend, perhaps, you know, it was a cross sell or an upsell. But of course, for an energy company, you cannot incentivize increased usage of the product. In fact, you have to disincentivize it. So I just found that an incredible mindset. So obviously, Sorgenia has has really understood exactly how to connect with people in a way that really matters to them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you're right. It's a different, completely different approach. Yeah. Um, moving away from transactional loyalty, you know, but uh, and focusing on you know engaging customers yeah. on different points. So um, yeah. yeah, that's Wonderful. also something that we are seeing in other industries. I think. I yeah. think you have companies trying to move away from pushing purchases per se. Totally. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, just for listeners who might be interested in in understanding more of the consumer programs in Italy, um, I'll just mention, obviously, you do have Payback, who um, were on our show, um, originally a German um, coalition program. And I also recognized the name of uh, Luisa Villaroma, which I know is a premium uh, fashion brand, which uh, has invested very heavily in loyalty and plenty of others. So I know once people do go looking at your website, Christine, you'll be able to share lots more about all of those programs with them. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Okay. And then can you maybe just talk us a bit through the um, the two B2B programs um, in very different sectors? Um, The first one you've highlighted for me is um, a cruise company called Costa. Um, So I think it'd just be interesting. I know that's been done in other markets, but also just to see that, you know, it's great to see, I suppose, the the travel um, industry focusing on, you know, recognizing and rewarding people that are selling, you know, big high ticket items like cruise. And then the one I loved was you mentioned a program for uh, bars and restaurants. So completely different concept, which I haven't seen again. So I'd love you just to talk us through a bit of those two programs. 
Okay, yeah, those are very, very interesting in my viewpoint. First of all, because um, to my knowledge, there's not much research and insight into B2B programs. Yeah. Uh, and of course, because we also are consumers, we as researchers, maybe we pay a little bit more attention when the loyalty schemes are B2C, you know. Totally. So um, <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's something that yeah. we, you know, uh, I think we should address trying to share and gather more knowledge, more evidence about successful B2B programs, mm-hmm. which... Uh, for their nature, don't get advertised. And sometimes they go on for years and years, like the Horica Street Club, which is the bars and restaurant one that you mentioned. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm sure they have been on the market for at least 15 years. I remember mapping them. uh, It's something like in 2006 or seven for the first time, but they had already been there. Okay. What is really interesting about this scheme is um, the company that originated it, because Parteza, that's the company that launched the scheme, they are wholesalers of beverages. Mm -hmm. And this company belongs to a, um, a big group, an international group producing beverages. However, their strategy for the distribution of their beverages in Italy mm. is to distribute not only their brands, but to mm. act as wholesalers of many other different brands because bars and restaurants and this uh, you know, sector in general, they thrive on variety. So yeah. they need to serve a variety of brands, a variety of innovative things. You know? So um, the, the whole idea is really interesting because this company distributes and sells products from many different countries and companies, not only theirs. Mm. And they create uh, this concept of um, supporting bars and restaurants in uh, their marketing. That is, they do a lot of training. They have, for example, the beer university. Ooh, where they, they nice. teach, you know, Italy is not a beer country, at least yes. it's not officially <laughs> a beer country, although uh, the culture of beer has uh, definitely developed over the past 30 years. But um, they teach bartenders how to know more about the product, how to um, serve it, you know, how to store it, uh, how to tell the story of the beer to customers, uh, then they um, offer many services like, you know, everything that you need to manage your bar from a subscription to the t- cable TV to, uh, you know, um, okay. furniture and other stuff. So they want their scheme to be a support tool for these businesses, not only uh, again incentivizing more purchases, then on the side, on the side of this education and support and uh, giving services, they analyze in depth the purchase patterns of the different bars because you know very well that depending on the audience of the bar and restaurant, the consumption of type of drinks, you know, can be completely different. Uh, So they provide targeted offers. And based on your shopping history, every bar gets 
you know, uh, special offers, special prizes and innovation that is tailored to what that bar might may want to uh, continue shopping or may try and so on and so forth. So it's a nice mixture of CRM again mm-hmm. and um, a service approach. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting uh, approach. It's absolutely fascinating. So am I right in understanding that the objectives then are, as you said, education um, and obviously offers. So, you know, and and obviously highly relevant, but not directly incentivizing sales as such. That's that's obviously going to be a result as well. But they're not actively um, setting out to reward the, the level of purchases by the sounds of it. Yeah, they also reward that. But as you said, for me, the way they put it is a nice mixture of, you know, again, we support you uh, with education and services. And of course, we also reward you. They have a um, reward catalog, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, product for the bar that you can get with points and the points you earn because of your purchases, of course. So you can get, you know, espresso machines of uh, the latest generation for your perfect espresso coffee <laughs> and nice. stuff like that. Yeah. So everything is very, very well conceived around, you know, this idea of 360 degrees yeah. uh, needs of the bar. So this is the, um, the, yeah. the interesting point. I can see, particularly coming out of COVID, Christina, that there's probably a lot of countries that would really, you know, need the support of a program like this, you know, because again, my my outsider knowledge, I'll call it, um, of the Irish bar scene is that there are, you know, lots of grants and, and support coming through from huge companies like Diageo. Um, yeah. But I don't know if they have the, the data and the integration that you're talking about in terms of understanding the profile of the individual bars. And to your point earlier, it's certainly a sector in Ireland that would be, you know, very fragmented. Whereas I think markets like the UK, they have big chains of bars and restaurants. Um, we don't really have the same in that um, hospitality sector, let's say. So, yeah, it's a great concept and uh, amazing they've been doing it for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what it's interesting what you said. Um, because of the quantity and variety of data about the bar and yeah. restaurant scene in the country, I don't know, but I guess they could... Uh, cooperate with suppliers uh, in sharing insights like other retailers do. Of course, you know, given the fact that they belong, the company belongs to one beverage group, maybe an issue here, but definitely they have a picture which is broader than the picture that the single beverage company may have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. And uh, and then the other one is the, the Costa, which I think is itself an Italian company. Um, so I, I guess they're obviously trying to, you know, incentivize people to book cruises. Not sure, obviously, whether COVID has, um, you know, impacted them. I'm sure it has. But tell us maybe a bit about that just loyalty proposition, because, again, we don't hear too much about loyalty for travel agencies. Uh, that's right. Costa, uh, again, is another scheme that has been on the market for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, very quiet, 
They they talk with their customers a lot in a very personalized way. Um, You know, this business, which has been growing uh, before COVID, for the decade before COVID, the the cruise business, at least in our country, has been growing, Mm. um, is an infrequent purchase industry. So you have all the challenges of a business where you don't see your customers very yeah. often yeah and at the same time you have a very big difference between your frequent customers and the occasional ones so the polarization of your customer base is very strong and this makes the case for CRM for a club um, they actually used to have uh, this is the latest information I have it might not be a uh, totally accurate they have six levels based on you know how frequently you travel with them the the type of cruise you take the mm-hmm. level of you know the type of cabin you have and the services you buy more or less exclusive and you accumulate points based on the services you buy and the type and the frequency and this entitles you to one area of loyalty rewards that we call privileges Mm-hmm. Um, so you know uh, special services exclusive services advanced bookings um, guarantees that if you can't travel then you know you're saving your uh, your spend for the next one and I think I don't have data on this but I have the feeling that this dialogue that they have built over the years has really helped is helping the company going through the turbulent years of the pandemic where they didn't travel or uh, people were afraid and maybe are still a little bit afraid of traveling. Um, The other interesting thing of this scheme, as you mentioned, is the B2B side. Mm -hmm. The fact that this is a type of consumption where the uh, advice and suggestion of the travel agent is yeah. uh, consistent. Yeah. So super it powerful. Really, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, the company um, has been working on two levels on the mm-hmm. B2B side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they incentivize travel agencies, I mean, the Mm. company, the partner companies, and by providing, for example, um, software, you know, um, Mm. services, uh, customer support, um, and they have a loyalty program for the travel agents, agencies. And at the same time, the second level is they incentivize the individuals working with the travel agent, so the employees. Nice. So for yeah. every cruise they sell, uh, they can choose rewards from mm-hmm. a set of, you know, different products mm-hmm. that they can request mm-hmm. for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting approach. We see that also, for example, in the beauty industry where, yeah. uh, you know, perfume shops and drugstores, it happens that it's the employee and the company as a whole that get rewarded uh, for the purchase or for, you know, uh, Mm. being active in promoting uh, the brand. So uh, it's interesting because this approach, again, has been going on for many Mm. years. 
Yeah. It, it, um, it's a testimony to how important the loyalty of the channel partners is, not only consumers, yeah. especially, you know, when the uh, the market gets, you know, crowded with more competitors. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's another interesting case. Wonderful. Wow. And remind me, Christine, I was just trying to remember, how long have you been with the university yourself? Oh, well, uh, let's say, I must say that I graduated from that university (laughs) many, many years ago. And then I moved on for my PhD and for my experience abroad to other universities in Milan and in the UK. And then I came back. So, um, I must say that I've been in research uh, for, it will be 30 years next year. Oh my goodness. That's just incredible. You know, I mean, congratulations. I can see how much you love it. You're smiling, you're excited. It feels yeah. like it's like a never ending passion. So it's it's almost like there's so much we could talk about, but tell me just about the recent conference, Christina. I know we recorded something for your audience. I know you had a lot of content, um, as you mentioned from, um, you know, from the U S from other academics, and I'm sure plenty in, uh, in Italian as well, but what were the key themes that you felt maybe coming out of that? You know, we're coming up now to the end of 2021. And um, I think you presented all of the, the big research with the companies. Wasn't that a, a key focus for you? Uh, yeah, thank you. Yes, the um, we presented results from our consumer study. Okay. And uh, on that side, let me just say, What is interesting to share with Italian companies is the increase in the number of touch points that consumers encounter every day. Uh, Uh, It is something that we read about uh, everywhere, don't we? Uh, We talk about customer journeys across touch points. We talk about designing the experience by adapting and connecting touch points. So Italian companies, they need to know on which touch points they can encounter the majority of their customers. And uh, this is the reason why on the consumer side, what we do, we map the uh, touch points that have the highest reach in different industries. And we present uh, the market with these results, which is very interesting to prioritize your investments. Just to give you a couple of numbers. Uh, In the supermarket industry, um, in Italy, we still have, um, you know, paper flyers where you present offers and coupons. Okay. And this is something that is massive and you spend a lot of money printing those flyers. They yeah. also have this environmentally bad side to them. Totally. And companies are continuously questioning whether they should reduce this investment, uh, stop distributing them mm. and uh, they have introduced digital flyers, you know, so mm. where customers yeah. can just, you know, check their offers and so on. The good thing of digital flyers is that if you have a database, you can personalize them. Of course. So retailers are moving quickly into this because they have this opportunity mm-hmm. and they can recruit more suppliers uh, paying for digital targeted advertising also. And so when you ask Italian consumers, have you seen a digital flyer from your retailer or have you seen the paper one or have you seen nothing at all? Telling Italian companies that 
the digital flyer today is as distributed as the paper one, actually not distributed, is seen as much as the paper one is visible. Yeah. Uh, That's a very important uh, piece of information. Very important. This is the uh, the logic behind Mm -hmm. some of the data that we collect about consumers. Another and last example on the consumer side is uh, the um, study we did this year on um, food delivery. Food okay. delivery you know, yeah. exploded during the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And although in Italy it's concentrated in some larger cities, not everywhere, you know, not small villages or towns, um, still it's a booming industry. Mm-hmm. And the number one touch point is mm-hmm. the app. Okay. And the second one is mm-hmm. the website. So it's totally digital. Yeah. And that's very, it may sound obvious, but it's very interesting to see what are the touch points where the brand should be if you want to reach your customers. So those were some of the uh, highlights that we presented from yeah. the consumer research. Mm-hmm. And then moving to what you were asking, uh, the, the company survey, um, on that side, uh, every year we, um, you know, it's an observatory. So what we do, we monitor some questions every year, yeah. trying to see uh, yeah. what kind of data you have in your database, uh, what kind of tools you employ, where are you in terms of analytics, so that we can take the pulse of the market. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this year, we did uh, a few new things like mapping MarTech mm. investments, okay. uh, because this is a growing a concern and a growing opportunity, but still, yeah. you know, Italian companies, uh, in many cases, due to their size, which is, you know, for example, com- totally different on average from American companies, yeah. they don't have the culture or they uh, don't want to invest so much. So we want to contribute to uh, diffusing this idea that these tools exist, Mm. they can be introduced, they can definitely improve the loyalty and CRM activities that you do. Just to give you an example, uh, we asked Italian companies, um, are you using your customer database to optimize your digital campaigns for acquisitions or Mm. social media? Like, Mm. you know, sharing with Google and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And only 7% of companies said we do it regularly. Wow. Uh, which is a very yeah. interesting number. Yeah, it's uh, a big opportunity. Yeah, It's a big opportunity. It means that there's yeah. also need for education. How yeah. do you enhance your digital strategy with a com- customer database? Mm. What, what can you do? Because there are lots of things that you can do. Yeah. Um, and so we explored... MarTech a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay. We explored the um, type of data that companies would love to work with, but still aren't really integrating. Again, mm-hmm. social media data is something that lots of companies are interested into pulling into their customer databases, but they're yeah. still struggling to do mm-hmm. that. Okay. And it's an area where they will work. Mm. Um we looked into the um, familiarity with analytics. 
Okay. Because that's the other point. You know, if you want to obtain insight from data, yes. You know, 90% of Italian companies have customer databases of some sort, but yeah. um, not many of them are able to extract the mm-hmm. type of analysis that could inform customer experience management, for example, and designing uh, experiences across the different touch points. And in fact, when you ask Italian companies about the analytics, again, the picture is very fragmented. The majority of companies are familiar with descriptive statistics, you know, and regularly looking at your customers, uh, mm. retention and churn and, you know, uh, customers going up and down the loyalty ladder. <laughs> but then uh, if you ask them, do you use predictive? Do you use prescriptive uh, models? Then the numbers become very small. Okay. So again, there's a lot of interest, lots of opportunity. Mm. Uh, I think it's going to change rapidly because of everything that's happening in digital with marketplaces, mm-hmm. with the example of digital companies. Uh, mm. Italy yeah. also is home to Amazon Prime. So, you yeah. know, companies are pushed to see what some best in class are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting times. Uh, for Italian companies, uh, for sure, advantage of digital and loyalty at the same time. And I think you also did the same, Christina, if I'm right. Um, your conference you did have, obviously, um, in person. Um, great to know that there are in-person conferences coming back. But you did also have a virtual aspect, I think you told me. So, you know, certainly I know it's uh, very far away now. But for next year, for example, I think anyone listening to this show internationally, if they're interested in the um, Italian market, it sounds like something they can follow and join with you as well. Absolutely, they'll be they'll be welcome. And our materials, again, this year we had several um, speeches in English. So mm-hmm. uh, the videos are on our website, and everybody's welcome to uh, watch them and download them. Okay. And um, a lot of the other material may be in Italian, but we are you know very uh, happy to have a conversation and share uh, some contents and you know provide some background. Wonderful. So it sounds like for anyone listening, perhaps if they do have an interest in the market, they could perhaps find you on LinkedIn, for example, and connect with you for specific questions they may have. Sure, absolutely. The Observatory and myself, we are on LinkedIn and looking forward. Oh, that's very generous of you, Christina. Well, listen, I think we have done um, a huge amount. Um, thank you again for the extraordinary amount of work preparing and um, the strategic perspective on the loyalty market in Italy. Still can't believe the Loyalty Observatory uh, was set up in 1999. I think that's absolutely um, a real testament of innovation to you and to the university. Are there any other key points that you wanted to mention before we wrap up? Oh, well, um, yeah, let me say that, uh, well, first of all, I would like to thank you uh, for this opportunity. And, you know, um, having worked on loyalty for 20 years, uh, we, um, we are looking now towards our next 20 years. Hopefully, you know, my younger cooperators, you know, and, <laughs> and, and yeah. professors, not myself, but um, what we would love to do is to strengthen the connections with 
centers and groups uh, and, you know, academics and companies that really are interested in loyalty and want to do research, want to do, you know, to share views, because very often we have the same questions. Mm. It would be incredibly useful to to know if someone else in another country has tried to find an answer. So um, yes. what I would like to uh, to do here is to uh, just say, uh, let's get connected. And, you know, thanks also to your podcast. I think this is uh, yes. becoming a reality. I would love to, um, you know, start a network or develop a network of, you know, centers and people yeah. who are interested in loyalty research. Okay. And tell us then um, on the company side as well, Christina, um, I know it's called the Loyalty Observatory. What's the actual website for people who are interested more from the, the, the research perspective, just to, you know, find out what you have uh, presented? Um, anyone interested in your findings? Where's the best website to find all of that information? Okay, our website is www.osservatoriofedeltà.it. Okay. Um, okay, so Osservatorio Fedeltà is the Italian for Loyalty Observatory. Okay. And uh, again, we have an English version of it. Uh, be patient because the majority of the content is in Italian. So it's quite, you know, uh, a summary. But uh, again, as I said, uh, all our publications, our white papers, our slides for 20 years, they are available up there. Okay. And they are mostly, you know, for Italian managers. So the prevalent language is Italian, but mm-hmm. we cover what's happening, you know, across the world. So hopefully the content will be uh, Totally. Yeah. And because I know my own spelling in Italian is is not very good, Christina, what I'll do is obviously we'll be sending this out by email, the whole episode. So um, all of the show notes, I'll make sure to link directly to your profile um, on LinkedIn directly. We'll link to the Loyalty Observatory and anything else that you want to share with us to make sure people can find you at least. And then, as we said, reach out and have conversations as appropriate. I think that's probably the best approach. Yeah. Thank you. Lovely. That'd be great. Thank Wonderful. you so much. Great. Well, listen, on that note, um, I will say we're recording in November, but releasing uh, literally, I know, coming up to Christmas. So I will wish you and everybody listening to the show a happy Christmas. That feels very strange to say. But um, most importantly, Christine, it's been a fabulous conversation. So I want to say thank you so much to Christina Ziliani, professor at the University of Parma. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. Thank you very much uh, for having me and Merry Christmas. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, 
Simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform. Find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews. And thanks again for supporting the show.